I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shake Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, special guest on a Monday pod is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Good morning. Good morning. What a day to be a Thunder fan, huh? What a day. A lot of things are happening. (laughs) So many things. That game yesterday, I went into it thinking, they're starting Dort and Ferguson. And there's no spacing at all. They're probably going to get crushed when they play that lineup. And maybe they can make it a close game. And that would be ideal. I just didn't think they had a chance yesterday. That's what it comes down to. No no Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's out with a hip contusion. And I just thought, okay, let's see if we can make this close. And they end up stealing the game. We'll talk about the the end here in just a second. But what were your like overall thoughts on, on the win? Well, so y- y- I think you tweeted this out, but you were you would have started Schroeder, or at least that's how you felt going into the game. Probably Schroeder, or, or I would honestly have started Nader. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because he can shoot the basketball, and he will he, try. He will shoot the basketball. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, and he was actually great. I mean, four blocks for Nader is crazy. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, I, there's so many other things to talk about. Yeah, but. One of the biggest surprises this season is that Nader has turned into like a solid, what would you say, 10th, 11 man? Like, and that's a big deal. Like, I, I yeah. think he can, is going to stick in the league going yeah. forward. He can play. Uh, he can play. And that's, to me, is a big deal because I did, I did not think he could last year. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it is amazing looking at the box score and realizing that there were only three players on the Thunder who had more than six points. Yeah. You know, like they they really had a thin margin. Oh, in and this Dort game. had eight points. Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse Don't me. How could I overlook? Dare disparage Lou Dort. <laughs> Man, he really filled up the box score. Now that I'm looking at it. He did. Um, he was he, Dort was really good yesterday. He's proving that he is really good at one thing on offense, and that's he's a great guy on the break. Because he there was a possession where he stripped the ball from Tice down low took it coast to coast and it was a he's done this he did this against oh who was it the other night I can't remember who it was the other night but he split the defense got to the rim he did this again it's a it's a one-on-two fast break it's not not an ideal scenario but he just takes it to him and he had this finger roll right at the rim that went in and that I think that's his skill as of today is what can Lou Dort do it's he can be a one-man fast break and yeah. knows how to finish and so to me, he was really impressive with with what he did, and and still like you, it's kind of grading on a curve a little bit with him because he is this like two way player, rookie, but he's he's been fantastic in his role. And I think he highlights what was my main takeaway from that game, which is that their defense in in the second half was really incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got down by eighteen. You know, I think it's so important that they had that seven zero run towards the end of the first half yes, to cut it to 11. Um, but in that second half, and specifically that fourth quarter, because that fourth quarter was kind of excruciating because they had so many good looks oh, on offense. Yeah, I mean, just play after play, they were generating good shots and just missing. Like Gallo missed a couple, Schroeder missed a couple. And it was just like, wow, Like we're leaving open the door for Boston, and yet Boston could never really push through that door because the defense was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost reminded me, this is this is hyperbole, but 2016 <laughs> finals, game seven. Remember that fourth quarter? Like oh. no one was making a shot. Yep. It was so ugly. And I kept waiting for the Warriors to pull ahead of the Cavs, and it just never happened. And I, I was kind of having flashbacks to that. Because I was getting angry at the Thunder for their offense, but their defense just kept coming again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that was just—it was awesome. It was an awesome performance. And Chris Paul, I mean, this is oh, probably one of dude. his best performances of the year. Yeah, no doubt. 
28 points, six boards, seven assists, a steal, a block, nine of 19 from the field, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. He was incredible. I mean, he that was all-star Chris Paul right there. And his defense on Jason Tatum on last few possessions was unbelievable. He was so good. And that's, it's, it's funny because Tatum is a big dude. I mean, he makes Ferguson look tiny. And Chris Paul is obviously a lot smaller than Ferguson even. But he's just one of those pesky defenders that can just get up underneath you. And they're hard to score on. And even, like, Kevin Durant struggled to score on Chris Paul even back in the day. And Kevin's even a lot bigger than Tatum is. But that's just one of his skills is that you don't want to take him in the post. And I, and he even said that after the game, that that's, that would have been his preference. He's like, out on the wing? He's like, no, but in the post every day. And so... Uh, it was it was super interesting. The end of that game was just so wild, and it just to me it felt like they were toast. So, Jason Tatum hit a hit a shot uh, off a of Kemba Walker assist with 40 seconds left that put them up one. <clears throat> and then the Thunder go on offense, and Stephen Adams gets fouled. They're in the bonus. Stephen Adams goes to the free throw line, and he misses both. And then Chris Paul gets the rebound, dribbles it out knows I've got to be the one to take this shot, drives in, kind of just throws something up, and it and it misses. And then at that moment, there's 13 seconds left. Oh, he throws it up, and then Steven bats it out of bounds. And at that point, it's like, okay, they had every chance. Steven had a chance to, to take the lead at the line, couldn't do it. Chris Ball had a shot near the rim with 13 seconds left, couldn't do it. I just thought... This is this is it for them. Now the Celtics are going to get fouled, make some free throws, and it's going to be over. And then just chaos ensues. And I still don't... I've watched it probably five times, and I still don't quite know what Kemba Walker was doing on this play. Because they inbounded to Kemba, and he turns back toward the Thunder's basket to dribble. Right, yeah. And I don't know if he's just trying to get away from Chris Paul, but Schroeder knows he. you have to turn around. You have to. You can't keep going that way. So Schroeder anticipates that as he turns around and just strips him and then just gets an uncontested layup. And just watching it live, you're just like, what is happening? Yeah, because we were, we were kind of assuming like, oh, the Celtics are probably going to score or at least get fouled here. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have, you know, a last second three to try to tie it. Yep. That's what I was anticipating. You just don't see steals like that. In the last 10 seconds. No. It never happens. We all, like, every late game scenario like this, you're always like, well, maybe we'll get the steal on the inbounds. And it happens like 0.1% of the time. Right. This is the one, guys. Yeah. This is the one that you get. Yeah. It was, it's still just dumbfounding to me. I just, I don't know if anybody asked him about what he was doing, but it just didn't make any sense. Why don't you just grab it and try to dribble? Because the Thunder weren't going to foul, is, is probably. I don't know what he was thinking, but part of it was that the Thunder weren't going to intentionally foul him, you know, until they felt like they had to. And Kemba just coughed up the ball, and then they couldn't get a shot up. They did get a shot up, but it was just a bad shot by Tatum, a turnaround jumper from 18 feet uh, that he missed, and then it was game over. I just couldn't believe Even after the buzzer sounded, I was like, are are we sure they won? Like, did, did they do it? Like, I don't know. Well, uh, after the buzzer, I got to watch uh, Tommy, he- Tommy Heinsohn, uh watch that replay from like every angle, trying to find where Chris Paul could have potentially fouled Jason Tatum. <laughs> and it was great because they eventually just had to give up. They were like, yeah, I guess that was just good defense. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want to treat that ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get your treatment that you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime that you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. 
So if you've struggled with ED, go to getroman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com forward slash down to dunk for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. So you're watching the Celtics broadcast. What what was their demeanor at the end of the game? Because it went from, it felt like a foregone conclusion the Celtics were going to take this one to, oh my goodness, Schroeder stole the ball and the game is over. Yeah, and I don't watch a lot of Celtics broadcasts, so I've only heard about the legend of Tommy Heinsohn yeah. and that he you know, like hates every call that goes against the Celtics. But at least in the fourth quarter, I actually thought they were pretty fair and they gave it up to the Thunder on a few different possessions. I mean, the one that they didn't was the one that ended up being overturned when uh, Brad Stevens challenged it. Yeah. That foul on Marcus Smart, which was Mm -hmm. a huge foul. I mean, that was the point where it was like, oh, we really have a chance to get ahead here. You're just going to get three shots. This is great. And instead, it's the fifth foul on Noel. But otherwise, like, they wanted, they wanted, Tommy wanted to complain. But then they would go back, and I don't know who his color guy is, but they would go back to the replay, and the color guy was always like, nope, you know what? i got to give it up to him. That was pretty good. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it was just such a wild game. And just a, and probably, the to me, that's the most impressive win of the season for the Thunder, to go on the road in Boston without SGA and to beat the Celtics is a big deal because the Celtics team is really good. That's a really good team. They're missing Jalen Brown, but still, they're one of those teams where if they're missing one guy, you don't really even notice all that much because they have so many guys that can step in and fill those roles. And Tatum didn't have the greatest shooting night yesterday, but still, to me, it is a crazy, impressive win. And the Thunder are 18-4 and four since they beat the Portland Trailblazers on the road December 4th, I think, or and yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it's that's just ridiculous. <laughs> it just makes no sense. I mean, of all teams that we've had over the years to watch, we've had Russell Westbrook and Paul George. We have Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. We have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka and Stephen Adams. Like you have these crazy teams, and then the Thunder era ends. And it's just like, okay, well, now we've got this like hodgepodge group of guys. Schroeder doesn't really fit in. You know, Gallinari's gone. You know, we're we're really excited about Shea. We're really excited about Shea. That's awesome. And somehow they put put it together and are the best road team in Thunder history. Like, it's just so weird, so wild. And I think that, and, and I know both of us think that the most likely scenario in the playoffs is that the Thunder lose in the first round. That's probably like the most likely outcome of this season. Yeah. And yet, like there's all these indications that they really are built for the playoffs. And one of them is that road record. Another yeah. one is the way they force teams to play in the half court. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you mentioned how Tatum didn't have a great night, which he didn't. Uh, he took a ton of shots. And let, let's see, he was... Yeah, he scored 19 points on 22 shots. And I think a lot of that is that half-court defense where they just make you uncomfortable with all these weird looks from all these guards. Um, so I don't know. Like I I don't want to get too excited about the playoffs because it's going to be heavily matchup dependent. You know, Obviously, if for whatever reason we slide in the standings and we end up with the Clippers, like I'm going to feel miserable and think we have no shot. Yeah. But you know, right now, I'm looking at it. And we're in the fifth seed, and we would play the Utah Jazz. And I've seen nothing from the Jazz this season that really makes me scared. I know. I think that would probably be a pretty even matchup. I mean, if you were to pick from the Jazz, Nuggets, Rockets, who would you choose to play? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'd probably choose the Jazz yeah. right now, even despite the Rockets' recent swoon, um, just because I don't know what the Rockets series would look like. If I could just watch us play them once and have a better idea of what it looked like, maybe mm-hmm. I'd choose the Rockets. But um, I like the idea of choosing the Jazz. Yeah, they they just don't scare me. Yeah, I'm they could also, still win. Obviously, they beat us in the playoffs before. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm terrified of choosing the team that we want to play, like we did last year. That's true. We should just say, oh, these teams are so good. Oh, they all they're all amazingly well run. Great franchises. Yep. <laughs> 
Oh, man. The Thunder really won on their jump shot last night. They were outscored points in the paint last night, 18 to 36. Wow. I mean, it's just crazy. The Thunder had 16 fast break points, which is pretty... That's big for OKC. 16, they lost that too, 16 to 20 yesterday. Uh, it's just it's just crazy. It's just crazy that they won the game. And they won it, you know, just by grinding it out on the defensive end and then making mid-range jumpers. And that's, that's how they won the game. And it's funny that people are just like, yeah. And I listened to Low Post today is with Daryl Morey, which I'm sure you'll be very excited about. And... um he talks about how, you know, people are just cutting out the shots that are, you know, from outside the paint to the three-point line. And they're just cutting them out. Well, the Thunder aren't. And they're, you know, overachieving. And to me, it's just it's just funny that it's like, okay, that shot is dead. It's gone. Unless you have guys that can shoot it like Chris Paul. And then you have to take it. It's the most efficient shot. I mean... They were saying, so I did listen to, I watched some replays on YouTube and listened to the Celtics broadcast, and they were saying, like, that's a layup for him. Like, it's too easy. That's a layup. It's automatic. And it has been. I mean, he's been the best, one of the best mid-range jump shooters in the league this year. And so, yeah, there's to an extent that shot's gone, but if you don't utilize it, and, you know, Chris Paul was on that Rockets team, you know, if you don't utilize that, then what is this team? You know, because Chris Paul can't get to the rim. Like a like a Russ or, you know, a LeBron James can, and he's he's a good three point shooter, but you're, he's not going to take fourteen a game, and so that's that's really where his effectiveness lies as a as a shot taker. And I think that's another one of those markers that you get excited about for the playoffs because we know that a lot of the teams are going to be facing in the playoffs are going to give them that shot. And yeah. we still haven't really seen a team like try to take away the mid-range because why would you ever do that? It sounds so ridiculous. Um, but it'll, it'll be interesting if like CP3 is really hot or him and Schroeder are really hot from mid-range in the playoffs. How will teams adjust when you're in like you know a seven-game series like that? Um, but that's another one of those things where I just don't. I th- I think they're going to be a lot better in the playoffs than anyone thinks because mm-hmm. no one nationally is really talking about them. In terms of, you know, some people say they'll be frisky. Yeah. Or like, ah, oh, you might want, not want to play them. But I think it might be a little bit more than that, depending on what the matchup is. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy to think about, but they, it could have, like, they could potentially win a first round matchup just because they are good at the things that you need to be good at. Like we talked about. Playing on the road, very good. They've been excellent on the road. They don't get rattled. They hit mid-range jump shots. They can score in the half court. They don't rely on the fast break really at all right. to win games. And they've got, you know, they've got Chris Paul shooting fifty, almost fifty-three percent from ten to sixteen feet this season. You have Shea who's fifty-one percent from ten to sixteen feet. You have Schroeder who's forty-four percent from ten to sixteen feet. I mean, you'll you'll take all of those, and it's just it's it's wild. And then you also have the three point shooting of this team. Gala's forty percent. Shooter's been Shooter's been so good this year, and I don't know. I think that he'll win sixth man of the year. I think he's deserving. I think he should win it. But I just don't know that people understand how good he's been because without him this year, like if you just remove Shooter from the equation altogether, maybe they have thirty wins right now. Like it's like it's that significant. He's been a consistent score from night to night, and it's he deserves a ton of credit for one, being willing to come off the bench, and then two, just improving his game and playing hard on defense, which is something he doesn't have to do. And right now, the Thunder have three guys that average 19 points per game. Shea is like barely ekes out as number one at 19.3. Dillo Gallinari's at 19.2, and then Schroeder's at 19. I mean, if you would have told me that the Thunder had three guys that are going to score more points per game than Chris Paul this year, I would have said, who did they trade for? I just yeah. wouldn't have believed it. It's wild, and that's why we need to jump on these odds. Andrew, new NBA championship odds came out today. Oh. <laughs> guess who has a? Guess what team has a 
has better odds than the Thunder to win the NBA championship. Oh, I'm sure that it's a a vast majority all, of teams. So it's actually now that I'm looking at it, all of the current playoff teams, well, in the West. Yeah. In addition to the Pelicans. The Pelicans have better title odds. Yes, the Pelicans are fifty to one odds. The Thunder are one hundred to one, the same as the Blazers. Oh, it's offensive. <laughs> Who are clearly just probably not going to make it. I know it's it's kind of a bummer at this point, but it's their own fault. They lost to the Wolves. Yeah, they had a chance, but yeah, hundred to one odds for the Thunder. Hey, I know you got big plans in twenty twenty. How do you find the time to do it all? I mean, you're working on stuff in your house. You're trying to watch all the Thunder games. How can you possibly go get good food and also watch every single Thunder game? Well, why don't you let DoorDash do the work? With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A. You can get Chick-fil-A delivered to your house? You can with DoorDash. You can also get the Cheesecake Factory. That's super nice. I know a lot of Thunder Thunder players love the Cheesecake Factory. So you know that you can eat the Cheesecake Factory while you watch them. And it's great. And you can only do that through DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code THUNDER. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, and enter code THUNDER. Don't forget, that's code THUNDER for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Into the Dunked On pod where they uh, apparently barely even talked about Schroeder for Sixth Man of the Year. <sighs> I, I couldn't bring myself to do it because I, I knew I'd get so angry. People were tweeting right. at me about it. I'm like, I just I refuse to listen to something that's that stupid. I mean, that's just not, you're just not paying attention. If you don't even mention him, then you're Especially not paying the attention. Stats, the, the, we, we, I mean, we already talked about like the on-off numbers comparing him to some of the other candidates. I mean, he's like a legit six-man-of-the-year candidate. Like He has to be talked about at least in like the top three. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's the clear-cut guy. I mean, who, who I, are I mean, you choosing over like him? Too. Yeah. I, I feel like Montrez is the only other one who has like a pretty good candidacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. But, I mean, you look at how much he's improved from last year to this year. I mean, from the field, he shot 41% last year. He's 46% this year. 34% from three last year, 38% this year. And then up to effective field goal percentage of 53%, which is a career high by a mile. Like, what are, you, what are we doing here? I don't know. You'll have to ask them. I will not. I will not. I will not even... I'm just going to start pretending that, that that doesn't even exist because that's just stupid. Uh, overall big numbers for the Thunder. They sit at 14th in offensive rating at 111. They're actually tied with the Washington Wizards. Uh, defensive rating, they are ninth in the league at a 108.4. Tied with the Brooklyn Nets for 8th. And then net rating, they're 11th. Had a 2.5 right ahead of Indiana and the Philadelphia 76ers and right behind the Nuggets. Do you know how much the Bucks game affected that? Hugely. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, they were close to three net rating. So it dropped so, like half a point. Yeah. It, wow. Yeah, it was a significant, <laughs> significant thing for OKC to lose by almost 50 to Milwaukee. It's it's so there was some stat yesterday somebody posted a thing about like how many it was either like fourth quarter fourth quarter comebacks maybe um and the thunder were like way in the lead yeah but i was just thinking about some of these teams you know like Milwaukee we saw what happened with them with the lakers mm-hmm. um these teams that just aren't getting any experience in season playing like close games yep i i guess you could say we kind of saw it with the clippers too um cuz they're finally they finally have their main lineup together and kind of fell apart against the Lakers, but it's just awesome that they're getting this experience. Another marker for the playoffs. Yeah, it is. I'm going to talk myself into the thunder (laughs) for the playoffs, no matter who they play. Wow. Yeah. It was from ESPN stats and info. 
Most wins when trailing entering the fourth quarter this season. Oklahoma City, 16. And isn't the next closest eight? Eight. Sixers are eight, and the Jazz are eight. Sixers. <laughs> okay, well. Dude, the Sixers are... It's it's getting embarrassing. It's getting really sad. Uh, that new book came out on the uh, on the process. I know. I listened to the Rice Ricky Sanchez uh, podcast with that author. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's it's really good. You should listen to it. It's kind of a longer podcast, but it's it's worth listening to. I was thinking of checking it out. Uh, I read an excerpt of it where uh, Joel Joel Embiid was working out in front of David Griffin for mm-hmm. the Cavs, mm-hmm. and that like David Griffin was just blown away by him. <laughs> um, but of course, I didn't get to read the rest of it because it was a screenshot. But apparently, he said it was like the best workout he'd ever seen of a player. And that, like, Embiid, after every made three, he made like five in a row. After every made one, he was like, You need me, David. You need me. <laughs> Draft I'm me. really good. <laughs> That's so awesome. How fun would it have been to be in the gym for something like that? Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, so I looked at the Thunder's record from last year at this exact date, and they were 40 and 26. And the Thunder are forty and twenty four today. And then the Thunder or the Thunder last year just went on to just fumble toward the end. And that's still possible for this team. However, you haven't seen that much volatility within this squad. You did see like a really bad stretch at the very beginning of the season. But since then, they've just been consistently good and have shown that if they do have an off night that they're gonna show back up. And so <clears throat> I don't see that happening. And like the road to 50 wins is, is very doable at this point for OKC. They've got 18 games left. They've got to win 10 of those to get there. So just play slightly above 500 basketball and they can get to 50 wins. I think they're actually projected to win 51 as of today, which would just after what the Thunder fan base has been through the last three years, would be a ridiculous thing to do. It would. It would, and I feel like in the offseason, we'd have to reflect in greater depth about the significance of that because um, I can't even really process it right now. <laughs> I know. But we, they, they have a fun schedule coming up. I mean, when we talk about potential playoff matchups, mm-hmm. we're going to get to see Utah two more times. Yep. We get to see Denver two more times. Mm-hmm. Going to get to play both of the LA teams again yep. on the road. Mm-hmm. So, and and we get to have another game against Dallas. Yeah, the last game of the season, which could be, depending on where they're at in the standings, could be a legitimately significant game as far as playoff seedings go. Yeah, those last three games because Memphis looks like they're locked in now. I mean, we'll see. They still have a really hard schedule. The rest of their but schedule just is so is so terrifying. It is. I I keep waiting for them to drop off, though, especially with all these injuries. I know. But, yeah, we play at Memphis and then Utah at home and then at Dallas. Those are the last three games of the season. All could be significant. Yeah, for sure. In one way or the other. Yeah. uh, Um, I wanted to go through the schedule real quick to see if the Thunder can get to to 10, uh, just based on who they'll be favored against. So, Utah, we can just count. Let's just count it as a loss because I think Utah's good. Well, let's give us – what. Talking about the rest of the season, don't you think we could split against Utah? We'll get one of those games. They're both they're at they're home. They're both at home. Yeah, let's give OKC one of those Utah games. So there's one. Minnesota at home. Give it to us. That's two. Washington on the road. That's three. Give it. Memphis on the road. What do you think? Give them a loss. Give them a loss. Let's see okay. what happens. Atlanta on the road. That's a win. That's four. Win. Denver at home. I mean, Denver scares me. Yeah. So I could I could see them going 0-2 against Denver. Let's just say they'll go 0-2. Okay, 0-2 against Denver. Miami on the road, I think that's a loss. Miami's just a was a, such a a bad matchup the first game that they played them. Yeah. That I maybe they can beat I think they could they can beat anybody. They've shown that that they can beat anybody, but that's a bad matchup. Charlotte at home, that's five. Win. Golden State on the road, that's six. Win. Uh, Denver, we already said they're going to lose. Phoenix at home, seven. Probably. Well, probably. <laughs> the Lakers, Clippers, losses. Uh, Brooklyn and New York, win-win. 
So win win. So, so we're, we're at, at nine. We're at nine. Then they have to win one of Memphis, Utah, Dallas. And I think that's realistic. Like we're we're being pretty conservative. We're giving them a lot of losses. Yeah. To basically every good team, except the one Utah at home game. Yeah. And that still can they still can get to nine wins pretty easily. So then they just need one more. So yeah, just, and I think they can get one of those. So yeah. So Seems reasonable. Really, just actually, you they have to win one of Memphis or Dallas because we already counted the Jazz game. Right. So they can. So it's it's not unreasonable to get there. They'd have to play well. They'd have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But along the way, when we talked about how they could get there originally, and they were going to have to steal some games, and they literally stole a game last night in Boston. With they won the game on a steal, and then the other one was Chicago. A, oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chicago. But that's a team they're supposed to beat. So, like, what I'm what I mean is they have to beat teams they're not supposed to beat along the oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't even what what happened in that February twenty first game at Denver. Why have I blanked that out of my mind? That was the one. That was the one. That was at home. Um, yeah, and they just they just trucked them. They they just beat that. That was that was a game where it was like, okay, that's that's one you're not supposed to get. That's a, a stolen game. And then from there, they've just beat the teams they're supposed to. They're just taking care of business. San Antonio, Chicago, Sacramento, Detroit, New York. Great. You have to beat those teams, and they did. And then they lost the games they're supposed to lose, Milwaukee and L.A. And then they were they should have lost on a th- in a three-game road trip you lose to Boston on the last game of a three-game road trip, and you say, yep, schedule loss. We didn't have Shea. Whatever. Move on. We'll play Utah on Wednesday. But that was not the case. Yeah, now to get three days off, almost three days off, because of the early game on Sunday, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. How many – oh, we didn't even look at this. How many back-to-backs do they have left? Yeah, uh, the one against see. at Memphis at Atlanta, and they got oh that, that like LA game, LA games are back to back. Yeah, the fake LA back to back. Yeah, and then the Knicks, and then at Memphis on the second night of a back to back. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, they've. It's doable. It's out there. They just have to go get it. I don't know how significant the SGA injury is. I don't think it is significant. I would be surprised if he didn't play. Wednesday, but was, that's something to monitor. Was it that play where he, uh, where he fell? But I thought it was his knee. I don't. I honestly don't know. Because he was shooting before the game, right? Yeah, he was a he was like a game time decision. He was questionable okay. heading into the game. So, and they're they've just been overly cautious with everybody this year, which has been great. You know, minutes-wise, they've been overly cautious. Not with Shea, obviously, because Shea leads the league <laughs> in minutes played at this point. But overly cautious with injury stuff. With Obviously, with Shea, with the hip, with you know, um, Gallinari, with Steven Adams. They've been, they've been cautious with those guys. So, St- Steven also, Steven is so lucky that they won that game because had they lost, it would have, that would have been another game where you look at Steven and you're like, okay, dude. He took two shots. What are you doing? Yeah, it was his it, defense was incredible though. His like defense at certain was great. Points during that game, especially in the fourth quarter, there's one play in particular. I forget who he was paired with. Maybe it was Dort, um, and whoever had the ball was probably Tatum. Was trying to throw it in to the middle of the key, and Adams really got up just to tip that ball. Yep. And prevent an easy score. So he looked great defensively, but yeah, two shots in a game when you know you're going to need other guys to step up. Yeah. And then and then the missed free throws too from from Adams and then the, the so Schroeder gets three free throws on it and you just think, "Okay, great. He got fouled on three-point shot. This is going to help pull the Thunder closer to a win." And he just clanks all three. <laughs> so he he definitely made up for that at the end of the game but it's just a crazy one uh the thunder currently do not own their first round pick it will go to philadelphia um as they have a better record than 
Indiana and Houston at this point. And so both of those teams would have to surpass OKC in order for OKC to get their pick back. But you just it just has flip-flopped over and over again with OKC as they've been 8 and 2 in their last 10 games. So, and that the four-game slide for Houston has uh has been significant for the Thunder and their pick situation and Philadelphia fans uh, are finding that it's easier to root for this uh, top 20 protected pick than it is to root for their actual team. So maybe we just give them that victory and, and take the second round pick and the double draft. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're, we're kind of like completely indifferent at this point. Like it'd be cool to have a second pick. Yeah. You know, something to do. So, <laughs> something to do, something to look forward to. Another, another guy to look at in the uh, summer league. Yeah, but I'm I'm just not stressing about it. No, 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 no. Whatever, whatever happens, happens. Right. I think was did we talk about the Hilton Armstrong Cedric Simmons draft of the uh, Hornets? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could be that could be what happens, and then that's uh, that's not exciting, folks. I'll tell you that, folks. Uh, short pod today. Apologies to everybody, but um, make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. Follow our podcast at Down to Dunk. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Debbie. Welcome to the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour. We are mad! As many of you know, the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour took a hiatus over the past couple months after I was possessed by a demon created by Rockets Twitter. As I've learned in recent days, the tweets of Rockets Twitter contain subliminal messages that over time weaken your mind's defenses and if not properly checked, leave you vulnerable to demonic possession. I never meant for this to happen. I needed to keep up with the musings of Rocket's Twitter, and so I began to follow a few accounts. No big deal. But then the Twitter algorithm began putting new accounts into my feed. And before I knew it, I was quoting Red94 in group chats and telling my wife things like, you know that Ben DeBose really knows his stuff. I found myself nodding along with Scrooston Corey and laughing at Disney Gary Clark. With my defenses weakened by weeks of subliminal messaging, I might as well have been wearing a shirt that said, Demons, come on in. Once possessed, I was no longer in control of my own thoughts. The Rockets Twitter demon changed my motivations completely. Much like how a vampire needs blood to survive, I needed microball. I became obsessed with centerless basketball. Tiny players. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny lineups. I started marking the heights of the Rockets players on my kitchen wall with a pencil. I'd watch Rocket Rockets games with a tape measure, quickly pulling it in and out every time they scored, yelling, They're so small! Can you believe this? As the Rockets kept winning, the demon's grip on my mind tightened. I was close to being lost forever. But then something happened that the Rockets' Twitter demon couldn't have predicted. The Rockets lost a close game to the Knicks. A little worrying, but no big deal. I mean, to be fair, the Knicks roster was built for this Rockets team, and apparently only this Rockets team. Then a blowout loss to the Clippers. But hey, it's the Clippers. The greatest team in the league with more players than fans finally decide to start playing, and it turns out they're awesome. But then a blowout loss to the Hornets, a team best known for nothing. Followed yesterday by a blowout loss to the Orlando Magic, a team built to be swept in the first round of the playoffs every year. Each subsequent blowout loss weakened the Rockets' Twitter demon. Loose Hank! Hank, I swear, bud, you have been on my case all morning trying to do my monologue over here, and you're just yelling at me. Why? I took you, I took Hank, listen to this, I took my dog to a place called the Thousand Acres Dog Park yesterday. And we walked, how many acres would you say we walked, Hank? A thousand acres? Yeah, we did. Took him a thousand acres. Then we get home. He has five fleas on him. I have to wash him. And now he repays me for this wonderful weekend 
by ruining Deborah Buckets. Back to Deborah Buckets. Each subsequent blowout loss weakened the Rockets' Twitter demon, loosening his grasp on me until I finally regained full control of my faculties last night. I blame no one but myself and Taylor Dickerson. So now, to set off this new era of Deborah Buckets, I had to bring in a big guest. So joining me today, best known as the guitarist for a middle school band, G57, Andrew Schlecht. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome to the program. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, very exciting times, uh, as I'm sure you are aware. Uh, Deborah Buckets, back on the job, clocking in again, got my hard hat on, uh, because we had quite, we've had quite the run from the Houston Rockets. Um, to be fair, they were really good for a long time. They'd won a lot of games in a row, beaten yeah. some high-quality teams. And then the Knicks solved them, and I didn't believe it in the moment. You know, I, I was thinking more, hey, this is classic Russ team behavior. They're playing down to their opponent. They're losing a stupid game that they shouldn't have. But these last two blowouts, uh, pretty concerning, wouldn't you say? Yeah, what do you do with, I mean, you lose to the Magic at home. Without Evan Fournier, shout out Evan Fournier on my fantasy team. Um, it was bad. It's real bad. And I don't know how to diagnose this for the Rockets. I think part of it, and I said this back at the beginning when I was fully infected, but I thought that their energy was like the biggest worry. I yeah. wasn't even necessarily worried about rebounding, defense, like whatever. But I really was worried about, because watching a few of these games, how exhausted their players looked playing this style. Because they have to be so much more active because they're playing out of position. Yeah. And I do kind of wonder if that's caught up with them a little bit. They, they, maybe this microball thing is not built for these random midweek games against bad teams. Because if you just had a regular roster, maybe you wouldn't have to get up as much. But well, when you're trying to guard Cody Zeller, whoever it is, <laughs> with a little baby man, you know? I think it is taxing. I mean, even the look at the Warriors, who are the team that's known for their death lineup. How often did they even play it? It wasn't that right, often. Right, that's true. You know? They, they played a traditional lineup all season. And then when it really mattered, they played the small ball. You know, that's that's when they went to it. And so I just you just have to wonder, can they get completely worn out before the playoffs? And this has been a little bit indicative of the way that Russell Westbrook teams have played. I mean, you look back at the last two years, they've had these just amazing runs in like January, February. And then they get to March and they are mental. I don't know if it's a mental thing. It's a physical thing, but they're just different. And they're just, they just are not good. And so... There is a lot of rust where you just watch them and like what the energy and the effort and just the ferocity that he plays with is is that something that's that's sustainable? Is that something that's sustainable, you know, throughout an entire season into the playoffs? I don't know. Because we've seen in the past few years you don't want to be peaking in February. That's not when you want to peak. And I think from the Rockets' perspective, I was on uh, Rockets, uh, the subreddit last night, you know, checking it out, seeing what people are talking about. And most people at this point, or most Rockets fans at this point, are pretty cool with Russ, you know? A lot of the yeah. ire and blame is going towards James Harden, and rightfully yeah. so, because he has probably been in, I mean, he's still putting up numbers, but he has been in one of the biggest funks of his career probably at this point. When you think back, this probably started in January. I mean, we were talking back then about how Harden just didn't look the same and he, he wasn't shooting as well. It, I think StatMuse put out a great stat last night. Let me, let me find it. Um, but yeah, he's just been terrible for him. Yeah, it's been weird. I mean, it's, he's been one of the more efficient players in the league. And yesterday against the, the Magic, he shoots 31%. Yeah, yeah, so he is... Oh, this is very funny. Uh, StatMuse... <laughs> you know how they do the little graphics? Yeah. They make they made James's uh, eyes look bloodshot. <laughs> really? They did. I just noticed that. Um, okay, so he is shooting 31.7% and 
38.3% from three in the last five games, so 31% overall, Jeez. 20% from three. But then even since the new year, he's shooting sub 40% from the field and 30% from three. That is weird. It's real weird. You know what else is weird? I, I, somebody said that uh, Kevin Pelton said that he would still have James Harden as the, the second in the MVP. What is, what is Kevin Pelton up up to? I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> he's up to something, though. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, man. But, the, the, but the issue with all of this for the Rockets is, as we know, matchup is so important for them. Oh, like when, when it yeah. gets to the playoffs, you know, even with this recent skid, like if they matched up against the Jazz, for instance, mm-hmm. I would still feel pretty good. I, like I would no probably question. pick the Rockets. Yes, same. But they're getting to a point where they could slip down and play the Clippers or maybe play Denver. And we actually haven't seen them play Denver. We won't see them play Denver. But um, I just think that they are really put themselves in a bad position where they risk getting in a really bad matchup the first round, and then they get knocked out. And yeah. then what happens? They're toast. They play the Clippers, they're toast. Oh, yeah. Oh, if they play the Clippers, they're completely toast. Uh, this was a Michael Carter-Williams revenge game is what this was last night. I didn't even realize that. Oh, wow. How could we not realize that? <laughs> MCW had 16 points, 3 assists, 2 boards. Man. It's big I, I know Fultz had a great game. Yeah. With, uh, Fournier out. Are you all in on Markel Fultz still? Uh, I am. You know, I, I feel like he's done everything you would want to do in this first season. I mean, it really is his first real year in the mm-hmm. NBA. Yeah. So I, I still have high hopes for him going forward. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's it's. So are you, is Deborah just officially back? Do we not have to have these uh, arguments on our uh, text thread anymore about loving the Rockets? Um, or are you still like, uh, could you still be contaminated? Could I still be? I mean, the biggest thing, and I feel like this goes for a lot of things in life. When, whenever you're trying to expand your mind and, and you, you start uh, reading, you know, whatever, reading material from the enemy, when you're just looking at, when you get sucked into their vacuum, all, all of a sudden it starts sounding right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's scary. And you know what? The thing that tipped me off was, uh, you know, Daryl Morey, he was on the jump or something, mm-hmm. first take, and he was talking about how the NBA announcers don't like the Rockets and they're being, you know, they're putting them down during live broadcasts. Yeah. Which speaks to a larger issue that I actually agree with, which is that, like, a lot of these announcers are terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeff Van Gundy, I'm sick of hearing him. Yeah. He's so negative. He's like the most negative person. I ever have to listen to regularly. Um, but at the same time, I, I felt myself like defending Daryl Morey. And then I was listening to Bill Simmons like last night and they were totally making fun of Daryl Morey for complaining in this way. And I was like, oh my gosh, what, what has happened to me? <laughs> like Bill Simmons, who really likes Daryl Morey and knows him personally, is making fun of him. And I'm over here defending him. Like, what happened to me? Bill, Bill has become the voice of reason for you. I know. <laughs> And so uh, that that was a good tip off to me. And then last night with the, the, just another blowout, it was like what? Like they, it's almost like all the things I hated about the Rockets have come back up to the surface in these last four games. Um, and it's it's hard to ignore now again the potential downside of this season for the Rockets. Yeah. And so that's really what I've been thinking more about. You know, like what happens if they do get knocked out in the first round? We definitely think D'Antoni's gone. I mean, honestly, most people want D'Antoni gone now after these this last four games. And I think Maury's probably gone. And then you have Tillman. Tillman in charge. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be great. <laughs> and we're so close to that. And so I, I guess the, this recent skid just kind of reopened my eyes to that possibility. Yeah. It is entirely possible, and it's. <laughs> if you're a Rockets fan, I think that you're horrified. If you're a Thunder fan, it's it's could not be a better scenario. Although you don't want to see Russ like go down in flames like this, like you really you really don't, because James Harden could request a trade 
you know, and be gone. And then what do you do with Russell at that point? He's going to be really difficult to trade, I think, still. You know, it costs Houston a lot to get him. And so then are they they going to flip him that you can't? I don't know. I'm just, I think that it could mean kind of rough things for Russell Westbrook on his current contract. Not that he won't play beyond that. I think he will. But still, what has he got, three years left? I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of which is a terrifying. bummer because he's been great. He has and been great. Yeah, he's been the best player on the team. This has been Russ's team, and which which is good, but also James. If they're gonna win, James Harden has to be the best player, in my opinion. Yeah, he he does need to be like an MVP candidate because he had that stretch in December where, and he did it last year as well. It was just like insane. He's just putting up like forty every single night. Yeah. That's and how, I don't think yeah I don't think that player's lost. Uh, there's a lot of theories on on Rocket's subreddit about what's happening with James <laughs> Harden. Most people think it's his new girlfriend, who I don't know who she is. But they said that this happened the last time he had a serious girlfriend. He went into his biggest slump of his career. Huh. So he's got to find the right girl, James. This is, yeah, that's what's that's what's going on. Clearly. Just so weird, but just so great. It's a great time to be a Thunder fan. I mean the. The the win the Thunder had yesterday, paired with the loss, resurrected Deborah Buckets yesterday, which was great. It did. It was, um, you know, it was one of those unique events where everything is a perfect storm, things that happens, and I, I just wanted to get in on it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I I felt like, why can't I get in on it? I'm allowed to get in on it. <laughs> I mean, it was great. I was reading. Uh, so, Dan Tony had a really long post-game visit interview mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. night and he quoted winston churchill okay and he said continuous effort not strength or intelligence is the key to unlocking our potential basically saying that like these guys just aren't trying anymore which i agree but at the same time again i think they might be tired <laughs> and and why has he only played uh damari carroll five minutes or I think 13 minutes since he's come to the Rockets. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't and understand then it. Dan Tony said that this was rock bottom. Yep. Rock bottom. <laughs> and he said that uh, the team is questioning everything after. So he said it started with a lack of energy in New York, and then they came up against a great Clippers team, and now the team is questioning everything. <laughs> which, which this is the kind of the problem with the all-in approach, them not getting even like a random backup center, is that they can't really adjust course at this point. Yeah. So if you are questioning everything, which has to be like questioning this micro ball thing, there's no, you you have to figure it out. There's no other answer. There's no other path. No. Um, unless maybe it's uh, trying out Vivek Ranadive's four on five. <laughs> maybe take... they add that on top of it. <laughs> we'll just take a player off the court. That's how we'll that's how we'll get better. Just start getting those cherry pick baskets. <laughs> I think ultimately it's just it's it's it was a extreme experiment to do and maybe not even necessarily the right players to do it with altogether. I mean, I don't know. Are you I mean, you're you're basing your entire team off two guys, really just one guy. Like this whole thing is about Russell, right? A guy, yeah, pretty much that is yeah. entering the like the final stages of his prime. You know, is that is that what you want to do? Rather than, I mean, you really should have been forming a team around James Harden. You know, he's the guy that, and maybe this is all wrong. Maybe maybe I'm absolutely wrong, but he's the guy with the jump shot. He's the guy that will probably age a lot better, and that's who you should be building your team around. But it's just funny that they've completely shifted gears and it's like okay well this is now russell westbrook's team like what what happened i mean if you would have told me last year this time last year hey alex russell's going to be traded to houston and that's going to be his team i mean how wild does that sound it doesn't sound wild now because we've seen it but the massive shift that took place in houston is it's it is mind-blowing to me uh i read a really good comment from uh Rockets fan, but they were talking about James Harden's James Harden's style of play, saying that the way he's playing right now with all these ISOs, 
it doesn't really take advantage of this system in any way. Because the whole idea with the system is that you have all this space in the lane now. And Harden just is like not utilizing that in any way, yep. even though we know that Harden is great when he's driving to the basket. Um, but he, he, he hasn't made that as much of a focus as someone like Westbrook has with mm-hmm. this new system. And so, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, th- I think in retrospect, they could have still made the Covington trade, but if they had brought in like just two who cares centers, right? And just played this small ball lineup in small spurts and then fully unleashed it in the playoffs. I think they might have had better luck. Yeah. Because then you get that surprise element that they may have gotten over this. I mean, they won a ton of games in a row, like we talked about. Um, and they beat a lot of really good teams with this new look. I mean, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Celtics, all these teams. Maybe that would have made more sense, kind of mirroring the uh, Warriors' approach. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're the team that traded for Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, true. He would have been perfect. Yeah. He actually. Yeah, because he can actually shoot threes. Yeah. Oh man, but uh, yeah, things things are looking up. I would say. <laughs> things, <laughs> things are looking up. That's it's so true. And you, and you have to wonder about like the future of the Thunder, just all together. What does it look like for OKC? But the truth is that it's either way they go. Like it's like the Thunder have a, the Thunder have a very bright future ahead of them. I mean, to have this team and all the assets that they have moving forward uh, is pretty wild. And if they do end up doing a rebuild, no one will ever have the starting point that the Thunder have in a rebuild with regards to SGA, with regards to the draft capital that they have. Nobody has it. Nobody has ever had it. Not even the process Sixers. They had to gather all those assets as they went along and had to strip their team down. Well, Thunder haven't even stripped their team down and have more assets than the Sixers did. Yeah, and with the, the Rockets picks, I saw someone reply to me say, yeah, but those picks are protected, which is true. They're all protected one through four, which, you know, the grand scheme of things is is uh, kind of a bummer. But with these new flattened lottery odds, it's like even if the Rockets truly bottomed out, I think it's going to be harder for teams to get those top four picks year after year after year after mm-hmm. year just because their chances of staying in the top four is so much less than it was previously. Yeah. So I have no doubt that if the Rockets truly do bottom out after James Harden and Russell Westbrook and their careers, that they'll end up in the top four, at least for one of those picks. Yeah. But I think we're going to get at least one of them and probably two of them because we have the pick swaps too. Mm-hmm. One of those pick swaps is protected top 20, I believe. Yeah, sorry, that's right. So, yeah, one is top 20, one is top four, and then yeah. the two regular picks are top four. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's significant because to be that bad uh, is not a, a simple task, especially when if you can't get rid of Russell Westbrook, you know, in the next three years. What's, what's the, when does the first pick convey? Uh, I think it's 2021. Yeah. So... If even if things just completely fall apart, let's say after the season, James Harden's like, "Okay, I'm out of here." Like somebody, somebody trade for me. I'm not, I'm not playing here anymore. My coach is gone, the GM is gone. Get me out of here. Then you're still stuck with Russell, who gives you a defined floor, which is not the worst team in the league, not even close to it. Yeah, you know, we've seen that. He he drugged that that first team to the playoffs in his MVP year. Not that he can completely replicate that, but still, he's a good player. He's a really good player. He's an all-star. So, it's crazy. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Deborah. Hey, we really appreciate it, Andrew. You can follow Andrew at GE57 <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I was trying to remember. I couldn't remember our other band names. That was the only one I could remember, which was by far the worst. Monkeys with Matches. I wasn't in Monkeys with Matches. Okay. Um, you know who was, though, for the people out there? Eddie yeah. Eddie Rudosevich. Eddie Rudosevich was a, a founding member of Monkeys <laughs> with Matches. That's true. From Soonerscoop.com. That's right. What What was he in that band? He was a singer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you guys all wore bucket hats. We wore bucket hats and we wore tie-dye shirts. Yeah. <laughs> what song did you sing? 
we played uh, some Green Day. Um, yeah. I think we played Closing Time. Oh, Semisonic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. So just uh, just the hits. You know, we're just blasting the hits for all the fifth graders. And G57, we played, uh, what's that No Doubt song? No Doubt. Uh, Spider Webs? Yes. Played Spider Webs. And I played bass, and uh, halfway through the song, my <laughs> sna- uh, my strap broke. Yep. And it, instead of trying to reattach it, I <laughs> played my electric bass as a stand-up. <laughs> and I, w- I was slapping the bass. You were slapping the bass. I was slapping the bass with my thumb. <laughs> and uh, a goth kid that we went to school with. Yeah. Uh, shout out David Carson. He came up to me afterwards. He said, hey, man, I really like the way you were slapping that bass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Great memory. Oh, man. Eighth grade. We should do a reunion tour. Yeah, we should do a reunion tour. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, boy. Oh, the reunion tour no one asked for. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Thank you, Deborah. Hey, stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. <laughs>